0: Hello and welcome to the Future Work Life podcast. That's right, I've decided to change the name of the show. Take my advice, I'm not using it. it has served me well over the past year, but since the business and the newsletter share the same name, leaving the podcast out didn't seem fair. In today's episode, I talked to Elizabeth Agarbi, the author of Side Hustle in Progress, a practical guide to kickstarting your business. Liz previously founded Four Working Ladies, a digital media platform focused on equipping women with the information and tools they need to start a successful business. She's also the host of the podcast, How I Made It Happen, on which she invites female entrepreneurs, innovators, and leaders to share their stories and advice. We had a great chat covering why side hustles have become a thing the differences between attitudes to work in Nigeria and the UK, the skills you can apply and learn from entrepreneurship and some of the tools and resources that will help you kickstart your business. If you enjoy this newly named podcast, please check out some of the previous episodes, subscribe and leave a rating if you have a moment too. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Elizabeth Agabi. Liz, thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, our conversation has been a little while in the making, so it's uh, it's really <laughs> nice to, to sit down t- today and, and and properly meet and talk about your book, which you, you, can, you can give us the title in a minute, but it really focuses on this idea of a side hustle. And I'm wondering why now is the right time to talk about that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean... We all know we've just, you know, come through a pandemic and still slightly finding our way out of it. And I think with the pandemic, um, there were some good things. Some people felt that, you know, they were saving on time since they were working from home, no commute. And um, that was an opportunity for people to start something, whether it was a hobby or something they just enjoyed and then decided to turn into a business. And then on the other side, there were people that weren't very sure that their job was still going to be in place in a couple of months. And so they protected themselves by starting a side hustle that they could eventually live on if they lost their job. Um, and then there were the people that wanted more flexibility, realized that, oh, this side hustle actually gives me more time and have left their jobs and have decided to work on that. So, that you know, there's been a mix of reasons good and bad Um, but I think now more than ever you know even just looking at the research this is the time that entrepreneurship you know starting a business or monetizing something has really thrived and the numbers have increased Um, yeah so the pandemic has you know been I don't want to say it's been a good thing because it hasn't been a good thing there's nothing good about it but it has given people opportunities that have you know, done good for them in terms of like creating and starting something.
0: Yeah. Often through adversity, people are inspired to do new things, which I think is the good that we can take from it. How do you define a side hustle? You mentioned there about monetizing. Is it is a side hustle by definition something you're paid for or, or can it be something that you purely indulge in because of your interests or your passions?
1: Yeah. It's interesting because there are several different definitions. In my book, I defined it as something entrepreneurial um, and not necessarily a side job, like taking on a side job, like maybe working at your local groceries at the weekend. That's not mm. what I would call a side hustle. I would see it as something that's entrepreneurial, something that tends to be driven by passion or the need to make extra income. Um and it's kind of like running a business but on a much smaller scale. Yeah. Because you don't have the um privilege of having the full time in the day, you have a smaller amount. So that's how I would define it. Something entrepreneurial, something that's, you know, driven by passion or the need to make extra income.
0: Why are you so interested in it? What sparked
1: that interest <clears throat> for you? Um I've always loved um entrepreneurship I don't know what it is maybe because everyone in my family is an entrepreneur like everyone down to my 20 year old brother um (laughs) so I think as well the culture that I'm from um where like I'm from Nigeria so um I worked in Lagos for five years and when I was there there's a very very strong entrepreneurial spirit Wow. And um, the willingness to take risk and try things is next to nothing. Like if A doesn't work, you go for B. If B doesn't work, mm. you go for C. There's just loads of drive. And prior to actually working in Lagos, um, I studied law. And then after law, I still wasn't, I was very sure I didn't want to be a lawyer, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I studied international business and I absolutely loved it. Um, Because one of my dreams was to go and work abroad. And so after I did my master's, um, I did think about where I'd work. And because I did my dissertation in Nigeria. So my dissertation was expatriation, adaptation and adjustment in Nigeria. So I flew out there and interviewed some expats. And their experience just sounded really amazing. And I had never lived there before, but my parents grew up there before they moved to London and so after doing my dissertation and speaking to a few people I decided to go out there and work and it was so interesting huge culture clash um totally different (laughs) from the UK I did have a soft landing because I worked at um a multinational so I worked at Unilever and then um most of the companies that I worked for were um international companies, but um, it was a really, really interesting experience. But one thing Mm. I, you know, learned there is that everyone had a side hustle. Everyone was Mm. entrepreneurial, whether you were the investment banker, whether you were the lady down the road, you know, with a little kiosk shop, you know, everyone was doing something. And so I think I really picked up on that fire. And that's actually when I started my platform for Working Ladies. So it started off as like a digital content platform. So back then we only had, and this was 2016, had the website, then we had social media. Um, And the way that made me realize that people want this was because the page was just organically growing. Mm. And when I reached out to writers, I reached out to a bunch of people on LinkedIn that I literally just typed in either communications or writer. And and then a bunch of people came up. I emailed them. I said, I'm thinking of starting this platform. It's around career development, entrepreneurship, wellness. Would you like to write? And then I found 20 people online. And then that's how I got about 30 articles in place before the website launched. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I definitely think one of the biggest drivers was living abroad for five years and just seeing that entrepreneurial spirit in people. Um, and since then, I've kind of like emerged myself um, in like the, I would say, like startup culture to an extent. Um, and so I'm surrounded by a lot of founders. And I just really love the idea of bringing ideas alive, working on something that is new and fresh um, and You know, one thing I was speaking about on my podcast previously was that um, you don't have to actually do that in your own business. You can do that in someone else's. So you can be an employee and come up with a new idea and launch it within the company and grow it, which is what they call entrepreneurship. So um, I just love the whole idea of working on something new, growing it and just watching it kind of bloom. So, yeah, I think that's what it is that drives me
0: well i'm interested in what the characteristics are for somebody who wants to engage in a side hustle i've been an entrepreneur for a long time and definitely one skill or a muscle that you have to build is is resilience and accepting that things don't always go right in fact if you succeed in everything you're doing you're probably not pushing hard enough or trying new things whether it be your experience culturally in nigeria Also, you know, we both live in London. So, you know, I'm interested in how that differs, whether there is a fundamental difference from the way people think about
1: work in those two cultures. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, (laughs) different privileges, (laughs) different ways of thinking and reacting. I mean, um, in Nigeria, people are definitely more resilient um, because whereas in the UK, we do have quite a few benefits. If we're out of work, you know, some people could go to the job seekers can get job seekers allowance or something like that you know maybe use their credit card or take out a loan there's several different ways that you could most probably you know survive whereas in Nigeria those options aren't necessarily there so people are continuously looking for ways to create money and income for themselves or for their families Mm -hmm. so I think you know um, with those different privileges around you, it does affect how comfortable you get in life and how resilient you have to be. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that's what I would definitely say. Um, and I think as well, just, you know, over there, I mean, even here as well, there's a drive to want to succeed. There's an ambition to want to be, you know, to want to be the best, quite competitive. Um, and I think every culture comes with its own different, um, ways of approaching work and how our attitudes are with work um definitely say in america it's much more different than the uk as well there's definitely more hustle culture promoted there um so yeah i would say in each culture it's different and having lived in both the uk and worked in nigeria for five years it's it's just so interesting to see how different it is i find it so fascinating yeah um yeah because you just sometimes have to adjust and adapt to remember that you know especially when I'm working with people like on their business to remember that some people maybe don't have as much tenacity or resilience because life has just allowed them you know to not really need it so.
0: I'm quite interested in the idea that actually engaging in something entrepreneurial can build that resilience as you know you Because I worry that some people are just fundamentally put off because they think this is going to be hard,
1: right? I don't think you can get anything. I mean, whether you're working in a nine to five and you're striving for a senior role or you're building a business, it's definitely going to be hard work. Um, You know, the type of hard work would, you know, it will differ, um, but it's definitely going to be hard work. Nothing comes easy. So I think when... When thinking about um, starting something, I think, you know, lean into more of the positive sides of what could happen as opposed to the negative sides of what could happen. I mean, yeah. because when we're in a nine to five and we're thinking about, oh, well, I want to go for a senior role. No one is saying, oh, but what if I have too much work? What if they're paying me too Like we're thinking constantly positive. I'm going to earn more money. I'm going to have more responsibility, you know. Um, people are going to recognize me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. think positively. And I think that has to be the same with um, wanting to start something entrepreneurial, as scary as it looks, because, you know, it's unknown whether your idea is going to work, lean into the positive sides of what could happen and the positive possibilities. I just think that's really important.
0: Just a follow up question from something you mentioned before, contrasting the U.S. culture, the sort of hustle culture I'm thinking about the actual word. This is more of a semantics thing. It's like the word hustle. How do you construe it? Is it positive or is it a negative? Is it in the eye of the beholder? I'm just thinking this, because that hustle culture idea, there's not a positive connotation to that, is there? It's almost a sort of a negative thing. Yeah.
1: And again, different cultures. So in the US, I don't think it's, you know, if you say side hustle, people just assume it's, you know, an idea that you're working on on the side. In the UK, side hustle, to an extent, has some sort of negative connotation. It kind of gives that vibe of, you know, you're overworking yourself. Um, and, you know, there have just been, like, loads of articles around it talking about how side hustles can bring loads of stress and all of that. Um, so I think it depends on, you know, the culture you're in or even just how you kind of perceive it within your own circle, your own community, you um, In the like entrepreneurial environment in the UK, we all know that a side hustle is really an idea or a passion project or something that you're hoping one one day to be your full-time gig. Um, But I am very mindful that the word hustle does have some negative connotations around it. And I was a bit hesitant when publishing the book um, about that, but I have a whole chapter on Um, looking after yourself way before I even dive into talking about ideas and marketing and anything like that and the actual importance of looking after yourself so um, and I think most business books don't go into that they kind Mm. of just jump into the how to start a business um, as opposed to actually thinking about yourself as an individual and for me that was really important because it's it was Largely around the experience I had when working on my own side hustle, um, especially when I was writing my book during the pandemic.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the reality is you're going to burn out if you overwork. And, you know, yeah. side hustles, I mean, they are by nature additional work alongside your day job or, your, your yeah. you know, how, how you're currently earning money. So I completely agree. On, the, on that practical point, is there a risk? when people start pursuing a side hustle to their full-time job, is there a temptation to be working on your side hustle during work hours? You know, the the time for which you're salaried and have you seen that happen?
1: So I'll talk about the positive sides first. (laughs) So a lot of entrepreneurs that I've interviewed or people who have side hustles and including myself have said that starting the side hustle has given them extra qualities for their actual role um, so there's that being a self-starter, knowing how to grow a business. And so you bring really good qualities to your role, which make you stand out um, amongst other candidates. So there are loads of benefits of starting something and going for um, an interview, especially for like people very early on in their career who might not have traditional work experience. Having a side hustle is brilliant because that's work experience in itself that you can talk about. In terms of it, you know, clashing with um, your actual day job, it really depends on what it is that, you know, you're working on. Um, if you simply have a product that you sell, you know, direct to consumer in the evenings or and you do the deliveries at the weekends, um, you know, it can be quite structured. If you have something that lacks structure and, you know, things are going on during the day and you're having to check your phone and yeah, it, it can clash. But at the same time, I think that there comes to a point where you'd be able to understand your routine and create some structures around it. Um, but that will take time, but you know, it, it really depends on what you're working on. And it also depends on the type of role that you're in, in your day job. You know, my last full-time job was, um, quite demanding. So, You know, which is why I didn't do much of my side hustle, actually, during the pandemic, because my job was quite demanding. It was comms, it was pandemic, it was loads going on. So, um, and you have to remember as well, you know, which one is more priority, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no yes or no, it can affect your job. It really depends on the role that you're in and the kind of side hustle that, that you're actually working on.
0: From my own experience, both having employed people who have side hustles and having had a side hustle when I've been either employed or, or working as a consultant with a client, I didn't generally the best policy is just to be really open and honest about yeah. it because actually I completely agree. You often see in job descriptions entrepreneurial mindset. Well, what, yeah. does that, what do you actually expect an employer? Well, somebody entrepreneurial, they might want to display that in their job, but also they're going to show it in stuff they're doing outside. The worst case scenario is you, you pretend you're – doing your core work and actually working on the side and then your employer finds out and then you've got a problem I think most of the time most employers are pretty pragmatic about it and and, and appreciate as you say the development of skills
1: yeah and I mean some people I mean places that I've worked they will even promote your side hustle within the organization um depending on what it is so if it's like a podcast or if you run events Mm. or you know um, if it's a charity or something they will promote it within the organization for you some employers are just not as supportive um I have heard of um my some of my peers say that they've had to keep their side hustle a secret from their employer and then I've had you know some peers say that they've been completely transparent and they tell them that oh I need to finish you know 30 minutes before because I need to go and work on my side hustle yeah and yeah. I also remember Emma again Because I remember when I was writing my book and I reached out to her and she's, you know, because I remember in her book, she mentioned that she took Wednesdays off for a couple of weeks um, to write her book. And she was really transparent with her employer about that. And equally, I was also transparent as well. So I took my leave for two weeks and went on holiday and started writing.
0: I I do think that's the best policy. I I get it sometimes if people feel like they can't reveal it but i think that's more a reflection on the company than the individual if
1: if the companies aren't enlightened enough to appreciate it but i mean if there's a conflict of interest then oh yeah yeah that's where it's a problem (laughs) yeah no absolutely so if you're serving similar clients and you've got a (laughs) service-based company (laughs) yeah yeah
0: yeah no I think I'd, I'd let's let's be really clear. Neither of us are advocating uh, breaking the terms of your contract and uh, working for it <laughs> exactly
1: and I talk about that in the book as well, actually, you know, very clear on making sure there's no conflict of interest and you're not using office property um mm. because you know there are some legal cases whereby I, I can't remember what it was. I think it was um it was one of the biggest competitors of Barbie actually. And the guy created the product whilst he was working. A couple of years later, I think they actually um, said, well, the property, the IP belongs to them. I can't remember the brand. I think it's Martel. I can't remember the name of the doll. But yeah, it was a very interesting um, case. All because he was working on that product whilst he was an employee. So yeah, be very careful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So uh, let, let's so let's get into some practical stuff. So, right, you've got an idea. You think oh, I've got I've got the itch. I want to scratch it. What? Where do you start? So you start. You you mentioned that you started by just contacting people and getting some articles written before launching your website. How do you see different people approaching this process? And where is the point at which you switch from planning and thinking about stuff into actually doing? And how are those two things connected?
1: Yeah, so there's this term that they use in like in the startup entrepreneur world and it's called like MVP, so like your minimal viable product. And the way that I define that is what's the smallest thing or the most easiest thing that you can do to validate your idea working and to an extent. So for example, before I actually started the um, content site I was posting content on social media you know talking about those topics and it was driving a lot of attention and so for me that suggested that there's interest and then when I reached out to the writers and there was no website and again they were willing to talk about those topics that again to me suggested that that there was interest and so it's you know trying to think of the Trying to do things in the smallest way so at the same time you're not losing money um, and the most affordable way. Another example is if you, for example, wanted to start a clothing brand because you really like fashion, maybe streetwear, instead of like, you know, designing five items and printing them in like, you know, quantity of 100, just to an extent have pictures up and say to people, you can make a pre-order. And based on the pre-order, you then make your order. Because then that way, you're only creating what is being bought. Um, and from based on that, you would start to see, okay, traction's coming in. It looks like I'm getting about 20 orders for this top per week. So maybe I can actually order 40, because based on this demand, it seems like it can grow. So it's thinking about what you can do in the smallest way without actually i um, spending too much money, but just trying to see if this is going to work. And likewise, if you wanted to start a magazine, you could actually do like a, you know, create like a 10 page magazine. There's printers down the road, print five copies, you know, give it out somewhere, get people's responses. There's ways that you can do things on a very, very small scale before you go to the big scale um and even on the small scale i'd say you know do it for a while get the response if you need to go back and tweak it go back and tweak it and keep going in that circle until you see that okay this is actually a good idea it's going to work 100 people have actually come to me and said that they like this now mm-hmm. i can produce it on a bigger level um but sometimes i think we're at a and we just want to jump to z yeah and it's just like that's not realistic yeah. And it's because people n- never really talk about the journey in between of creating something really small. Um, so this app, this new app, has just launched, and it's called um, Juno. It's um, it's an app that basically um, shares financial literacy for women. Before they even got to the place of launching this app, they had started and started a newsletter because loads of people were coming to them and asking them questions around how to invest. That newsletter grew to 500. And that's when they Mm. said, oh my God, this is a thing. People actually want to know. So, you know, there are so many ways you can try to validate traction and um, to see if your idea will work. So you've just got to be really creative before actually diving in there because no one's going to wake up and say, okay, I think an app's going to work. You create the app, £10,000, no one comes. You know, it's a big nightmare.
0: And there's there's a couple of phrases which come to me when you think about this. Firstly, perfection is the enemy of good. You know, it's so tempting, yeah. isn't it? Like, you know, everyone wants to put their best foot forward and make yeah. sure that their work looks as good as it can. But the reality reality is sometimes you just got to get it out of there for the reason yeah. that you mentioned. And um, people
1: like scrappy things, like never. You know, some of the people that have the biggest podcasts today started off really scrappy. Um, you know people like I, I don't know if you know Stephen he's got um his podcast is like literally number one in the business Actually, yeah. um you know I remember when he shared that he literally I think he just started recording on his phone or something like that something really wild um before he's but now he's like in a studio he's got you know proper setup um people just like just start you know just start where yeah. you are start with what you have and to see if people are interested using that podcast example but before I started this podcast I'd presented podcasts and
0: I'd appeared as guests and they're all in studios this was definitely pre-pandemic so you'd be all in a tiny little studio with and amazing equipment and there'd be an editor and look sounded great at the end of it I started recording this and I'm relatively technical but I wasn't really looking forward to it but you know I actually really enjoy the process of recording myself editing myself because actually the editing process forced me to really really listen to the flow of the conversation which then gave me opportunities to extract really interesting things to write about it was a virtuous circle for the content creation I think sometimes just embracing doing something which puts you out of your comfort zone can really help you learn so I think that's it's good advice don't expect to have the finished product straight away just test it out and and try new things and you've got a podcast as well haven't you
1: Yes, I have. It's called How I Made It Happen. Season two came out last week. Um, But yeah, it's been really fun recording that, spoken to some brilliant entrepreneurs. Um, There's one actually that has um, lab made diamonds. It was so interesting interviewing her because I never knew about lab made diamonds before. So yeah, some interesting companies and um, businesses. So do listen.
0: And what, what, what have you learned? from doing the podcast because I mean again I think everything you try new you definitely learn something about yourself don't you as well as about the ecosystem and how to promote and create content
1: yeah I think for me um, just like storytelling and how effective it can be for learning Um and so because I know me myself, I learn a lot through storytelling, hearing people's stories, whether it be podcasts, reading articles, or watching videos. And so when I'm doing my interviews, I'm, you know, trying really hard to make sure that I'm getting a story. I'm getting the real story behind this business, this idea from the person that I'm interviewing, from the entrepreneur. And not just, you know, the story of like starting their business, but the story of like who they were before they even started mm. their business and the challenges. Um, I think it's really what kind of draws people in. No one wants to sit down in a lecture you know on the podcast. Right. They want to hear some <laughs> real stories. And so yeah, I've really learned the art of um, storytelling and engaging with um, with um, the guest and also just that you know things aren't perfect at the end of the day you know you say yeah. some wrong things you can go back and edit it <laughs> getting very uncomfortable with you know things not being perfect I can't lie and say that I'm not a perfectionist because I I can try to be but um yeah I've definitely realized in podcasting that you know it is what it is I actually don't listen to myself <laughs> really <laughs> so no I don't I just record it and I'm like yeah get it out there don't yeah. overthink it um The only time that I might listen to myself is when I'm trying to extract um, something for promo. Yeah. Yeah, like a little snippet for promo. And then I have to start listening to the conversation and I'm like,
0: oh. (laughs) (laughs) What's obviously comes across in, first of all, your platform and through the book as well is trying to support other women in pursuing their side hustles and trying to understand, as you said, from those entrepreneurs What drove them? What unique challenges do women face in your experience in either getting something started or being able to grow their side hustle?
1: Yeah. So I definitely say that, um, so one of the reasons why I started for Working Ladies was really to kind of put the spotlight on women who are building their careers and starting um, their own businesses because naturally the media back then really wasn't highlighting women doing Mm. that. When you ask people about what does a business leader look like to you or a business owner, typically they would say, you know, man in a suit and they might refer to Mark Zuckerberg, you know, (laughs) the typical people, Um, they would never really think of a woman, you know, and so it was for me, that platform was very much around changing the perception of what leaders look like and what business owners look like. And it was also reconditioning women's minds that you can be a business owner too. Um, Because, you know, based on the stereotypes out there, women should be at home looking after kids, they should be married, they should be cooking, all those kind of things. And although it seems, you know, very like old school, it is still very much ingrained in our societies. And I also think that, you know, at times we don't realize that it's still ingrained in our own beliefs at times. And so for me, it was really helping women to kind of recondition their mind and see themselves because it's so important that you see yourself in yeah. in someone else that's already doing it, um, and the media just wasn't highlighting that many women in business or you know women who were kind of like striving and climbing up the career ladder. So that's what full working ladies was really focused on. And so one of the challenges that I did realize was actually helping women condition, you know, change their thinking around: I can be a business owner, I have the ability. Because you know it's never the the issue is never like the ability; they have the ability. It's more about network and access, and you know, especially for those who are actually in entrepreneurship full time, we know that you know women don't get as much funding. It's stupid numbers like two percent—like it, it doesn't make any sense. So yeah, no. we know there are like those type of biases, um, but I would say that the challenge is—I think the biggest challenge is overcoming the fear and really being it, being able to see themselves as someone that is capable of starting an idea. Um, and like I said before, I think that limitation really has kind of been imposed because of what society has said that women should be doing. And so it's really just getting them to change their thinking around that and you just say, you know what, take the leap on yourself um, and just like showcasing other women that have taken the leap, that have built something great. Um, but then, yeah, in terms of the external challenges, you know, For those who are like trying to grow their business, it tends to always be finance. um, The biggest challenge, whether you're going to the bank, whether you're going to investors, that tends to be. And then just access to um, those networks that can help you give those introductions. But nowadays, there are loads of platforms trying to solve that solution. Um, sorry, trying to solve that problem by creating solutions such as funds that are purely supporting female entrepreneurs. Um, And there are now more female investors coming up as well because that was another problem as well. The majority of investors were males. And if, you know, if you came to them with a product that was focused on women, they didn't get it because they didn't use it and they didn't have to. It was just like, yeah, I'm not investing in that. Yeah. Which is a huge problem because a lot of the products that women have started, especially like femtech, have been so game changing for women's health. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are just a few of the challenges. I don't think that it's specific to women because they're women. I just think those challenges are as a result of the external things. If you get what I mean, and yeah. um, also. Because, I mean, during the pandemic, you know, a lot of the research that came out said that women were taking up most of the domestic labor in the house, regardless of if they were married or had kids. Um, So there is that extra challenge of doing extra unpaid work on top of, you know, your side hustles, your own business or whether you're nine to five. So quite a few things, but that's why they're so brilliant.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, clearly the growth of, um, of popularity for, for side hustles reflects, you know, kind of broader trends related to work and the future of work. I'm interested from your point of view, what you're sort of most excited about when you think about the workplace changing, because, you know, from my point of view, you, you mentioned at the beginning, Look, some people are pursuing side hustles out of necessity, you know, if you've, if you've lost your job or your job's at risk. you're hedging your bets to a certain extent doing a side hustle but for many people they're doing it because they see an opportunity to pursue their passion for the first time and the, the, the various tools that you mentioned are making it more easy to do that you know it's easier to find people who share similar interests via platforms like medium or building a list on Substack. what excites you what are the trends that you're most interested in
1: so the really good thing is that technology has allowed us to learn in different ways and in different ways and work in different ways. So technology is really the thing that is like really revolutionizing the the workplace and the way that we work. Because, you know, if you do start a business now, you can have customers all over the world Um, you can connect with people all over the world now. You can work from a different country and earn in a different country. Um, You don't have to go into the office. So everything is just like really, really changing because of technology and because the pandemic happened as well.
0: And what's next for you? You've written (laughs) a book, which obviously a tough process I'm about to undergo. We were chatting beforehand and I'm yeah. not sure if I feel more excited or more nervous about writing the book since uh, you you <laughs> talked to me about the process you went through. It's but mixed, it's clearly very rewarding. It's mixed
1: feelings, yes. <laughs> it's mixed feelings. It's, you know, it's a lot of hard work, but it's also quite exciting. Um, and when it comes out, yeah, I can't explain the experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then what do you do now? You mentioned during the pandemic, you had a full-time job, which was very demanding as well. Are you still working full-time? Is your side hustle turning into your main route for earning or how does it look?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm no longer working in a full-time job. Um, it's literally um, just a month before my book came out, it was really busy. Um, so I'm actually working on a new um, entrepreneur idea, Um, which I'm hoping launches next year and it's still focused on the advancement of women but this time women within organizations and so um, it's basically democratizing coaching um, Mm. through technology and so the idea that we have is connecting women within, within different organizations with an executive coach and then being able to scale that platform. So women all over the world can receive coaching and then can then be supported to advance into a leadership role. But um, yeah, that's what I'm currently working on now. And so the process of starting very small, I understand it because we don't have the technology, we don't Mm. have the money, um, but knowing how to, so right now we're at the user research stage Um, And also kind of like building out the prototype, which is very exciting. So I'm really excited to be working on a new idea. I do want to say that I had savings in place, guys. So (laughs) don't just leave your job to work (laughs) on an idea. I do have savings in place that I saved before I left. Um, So, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Also, um, I'm still doing a lot of work around my um, book so um speaking engagements around that and events that I'm planning and then also running my podcast as well so yeah doing quite a few things but all entrepreneurial all very exciting and things work that I love you know I'm really happy that I get to do work that I love and excites me and a mission that I'm like really driven by
0: yeah Well, you can tell that and um, your book is a really great resource for anybody looking to kickstart their side hustle. So uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes and also to your podcast. But Liz, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: it would be really interesting. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
0: And that was my conversation with Liz Agarvey. I hope you enjoyed it. As I said in the show, I'll include a link to Liz's book in the show notes. You'll also find details on her linkedin and twitter profiles thanks again for listening as ever i really appreciate it and i'd also appreciate it if you wouldn't mind leaving me a rating if you enjoy the show also subscribe share this with anybody you think find it interesting and i'll see you here again